many things changed on 24th of February 2022, but let me maybe put it in the longer perspective because why I was interested to rotate to Ukraine was because of the many reforms that Ukraine started in 2015 and 16. We had to support as a WHO many of the health reforms and these were really moving fast from health financing to primary care for digitalizations to procurement. At the same time, Ukraine is always known as many of the surprises and challenges in public health. So we were dealing also with one of the world's largest measles outbreak, and we were able to close the measles outbreak just in late 2019. And of course, even at the same time, WHO worked on the war and crisis that was in Donbas uh, since 2014. So 2020 uh, brought us another challenge, which was COVID. Then our work went to the new level of responding to the COVID, where we helped to build up all the laboratory network. After the first year of COVID, more than 50% of the testing, which was very important at that time, in the public laboratories was done because of the investments done through WHO. We worked a lot to ensure the oxygen to be available. And in late 2021, we witnessed the vaccine-derived polio outbreak and starting to build up the polio response with the partners. But what is important for us as a WHO, preparedness for potential escalation, we saw potential escalation six months before, and that was also a lot of the pre-positioning of emergency kits, ensuring that the water houses are ready. But uh, to be honest, none of us saw in advance the scale and where we would be after 24th of February. So uh, when you say uh, you saw a potential for escalation six months prior to the start of the invasion. Uh, what do you mean by that? We saw that uh, the preparedness needs to be improved. We um, looked particularly also because we are working uh, in the government controlled areas in the eastern part of Ukraine for many, many years so that the emergency teams are uh, prepared. We have as a WHO also special guidelines um, how to prepare for armed conflicts. And uh, we put many of those guidelines to Ukrainian to make it available also for authorities. So as a WHO, it's always important to be prepared. So we launched actually WHO emergency fund and preparedness funds in January. And we moved to the full grading of um, WHO response and to the grade three response on 24th of February. So. I would say it was not that we saw everything in advance in six months before, but we started to prepare using WHO materials, using the guidelines, putting the materials in place just in case. The pre-positioned goods were used in February, but then since March to deliver a lot of the support. And this support was from antitoxins to the trauma kits. In April, May, it was more on the ambulances. So many of the goods that were delivered to the health facilities since the early days after 24th of February. So what is actually WHO's mandate in situations like this? In the war situation and in the humanitarian crises, WHO's one uh, is to ensure that we provide humanitarian support. 
and the humanitarian support very often is a lot of the supplies. It's the emergency kits that WHO has available, uh, guidance about the disease surveillance. So we continue to work on many of the technical areas, but they move to more humanitarian work. Second, WHO's role is also to monitor, validate and report on attacks on health. And that's very important now. And also what our role is as a part of the UN system, but the broader humanitarian community is also to lead the health cluster. And in the health cluster, we have currently hundreds of partners, NGOs, UN agencies, national, international agencies who are providing support. And one more practical example is how we ensure that the services are provided. And what is important here is Ukraine health system has continued to function. And that's important that we allow the Ukrainian health system, the doctors and nurses to provide care, while our role as international community and WHO is to be complementary. But being complementary, much of the work uh, has been in um, uh, second quarter of 22, in the newly regained areas in Irpin, Bucha, Hostomel, to build back the primary healthcare system, to ensure that the medicines are available, especially for elderly who need the care for hypertension, diabetes. So this is also part of the WHO role. And since September, October, it is more in uh, south of Kharkiv, but uh, also our team has been constantly in Herzog and other parts where we see a lot of elderly who have decided to stay and who need access to care as well. Our offices have been very different. If we look current offices and when we look at the offices we had before, because we need to ensure that our staff are also secure and safe. And uh, because we have the missile and drone attacks across the whole country, we need to ensure also that we have a shelters in place and we have electricity available. We have hibernation kits, we have food. So, of course, working in Ukraine in the wartime, it is very different than working without the war. And that also has a special condition. So we have scaled up our team on security. We have scaled up our team on fleet and moving around the countries because in the past we didn't need to have so many armored vehicles. Now we need to have tens of armored vehicles to go to the front line and to uh, move around the country, especially in the east and south. And of course, there is a lot of support we need to provide to our teams from um, supporting them while working, but also they all have their own life as well. They have their families. We have many colleagues who have lost their closed ones or uh, who have lost their property, who um, have lost everything except their work. And uh, we need to support. So that's why also we have a special support on health and well-being, psychosocial support. So this is very, very important because uh, us as a WHO to help Ukraine and to support the health sector in Ukraine, we need to support our own teams as well. Do you work at all with the regions that are temporarily occupied by the Russian Federation? And if so, how exactly uh, do you do that? When it comes to the occupied territories, we are, as the whole UN, asking uh, humanitarian access. And we have been asking humanitarian access since the early days of escalation and the war. But the last convoys that we were able, as a UN, to have to um, the, that time called non-government controlled areas were back in the beginning of 2022. 
So since that time, the humanitarian convoys have not had um, access. And that's why we are asking it also week by week. And what we have been aiming is with the UN interagency convoys that you have seen also many of them. And we have many of those convoys, especially in the coming days, to go as close to the contact line and where the access is available. What is the situation in healthcare in general in Ukraine right now? As Ukraine is a large country, we need to look to the different oblasts and the access to care as well. The service availability, it varies also across the country. And we are just publishing the second uh, health needs assessment that we did in December in the coming weeks. And what is important, we see that access to care is improving. At the same time, we also notice that the care-seeking behavior is slightly decreasing. So we need to look what are the reasons for that. Now, due to the war and since 24th of February, we see that affordability is becoming more difficult. And we see that um, every third patient is saying that sometimes they don't get all the medicines they need. And very often the cost of medicine is the barrier. In the early days of the war, we saw that the barrier was because the pharmacies were closed or medicines were not available. So there were questions about the transport. But now mainly the medicines are available, but they are just too costly. And especially those who need to have treated chronic diseases. So in a sense, health system functions. The doctors and nurses are there. Many of the pharmacies are open, but we need to start to address the new challenges, which is to ensure that the medicines are affordable and that people are seeking care. I like to bring one very important aspect that we are working is also mental health, because it's important also that different tools are available. And in mental health, it means uh, tools for every individual to do the stress management. And uh, there are many available now in Ukrainian and many tools available. And WHO does the trainings on uh, self-help plus and other tools. And the government has introduced a new uh, financial mechanism for mental health in the primary health care. Because what we see, various mental health conditions from some that can be self-managed, but we see that the needs are there for among uh, around 10 million people. So this is an area also where we need to scale up. Bjarno, what is the most difficult thing about your assignment in Ukraine right now? That's a very good question. I, I haven't managed to think about that, probably because there is a very limited time to think. But I would say what I have learned is uh, about myself, but also about this work and the last uh, almost one year, it is uh, need to manage the complex situations, uh, need to be ready every morning that the situation is changing and um, be extremely agile. So uh, I think people and especially in the leadership positions, their role is to adapt and move fast forward. And um, I'm not saying that it is difficult, but rather, you know, you adapt and you are agile and uh, you are ready that uh, what you thought in the evening as that is changed by the morning, but uh, you need to ensure that you can program. And that has allowed actually all of our team to really respond. And uh, we have very many, very good, great colleagues in the team who are, I would say, are doing groundbreaking work 
on ensuring that we have oxygen in the hospitals, ensuring that the disease surveillance is in place, ensuring that the goods are reaching uh, the healthcare workers where they need it, but uh, also uh, leading the dialogue on very complex topics like mental health, rehabilitation, gender-based violence. What I have learned also is that when you have good colleagues around you, uh, that gives you the energy to do more. Uh, one last question, how do you cope with stress? I think uh, first is uh, to good sleep. Of course, with um, uh, constant ear sirens, you need to use the time very well when you can sleep. Sleeping is extremely important. And this we are telling to all the colleagues. Physical activity. So uh, I'm going to running. I'm doing um, high intensity trainings. Of course, again, with the limitations we have, but um, sleep and balanced nutrition, that's something that we uh, need to have.